0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wherever You Turn podcast. This episode is titled Thinking About Thinking. And yes, I've been doing a lot of thinking lately. Um, I feel like all I do is think. i got a lot of time to just be in my own head. And a lot of my current thinking is around second order effects of this pandemic. The first order effects would be the virus itself. And maybe in the early stages of this there was so much that wasn't known and so much that you were just hearing that my fear was very much about the virus itself. Catching the virus myself or in people who are close to me. Now I find myself more thinking of the second order effects. The future. What's going to happen in the near future? Every week there's something on the order of 8 to 10 million more Americans who have lost their jobs as a result of this. 30 million is the total as of the time of this recording. Most economists expect that to continue to go up. So I think about the second order effects of that. How does the economy come back? How do these people find jobs? If they do not find jobs, then what is the societal implications? And... Do we start worrying about things like social or civic unrest happening due to the fact that when you have that many people who are in need and who are struggling, it creates instability? So I think about that and play that forward. Even closer to home, I think about my 21-year-old son. He graduated In December this year um, with his undergraduate degree he got a job his first full-time job moved out to Southern California was just starting to get into the flow and the understanding of working the nine to five job in an office environment sure he was the low man on the totem pole, the entry-level person, but he was engaging and seeing um, others much more experienced than him. And the future looked really, really bright. That as a first job, that the, the amount of experience and skills and exposure that he would get. And now that's all Gone, at least from the office. Thankfully, he's still working, and he's remote, uh, remotely working. He's back home with us, but I worry that he's no longer exposed to that environment that was going to allow him to see and hear conversations that others were having, and seeing how people were interacting and how people conducted themselves to work together to manage others, all of these um, um, intangibles um, that you can only really learn once you're working, he's no longer in that environment. And I worry about how that will impact him in the future. My 18-year-old daughter graduating from high school in the next couple of weeks, starting college in the fall, we have no idea what that's actually going to look at. And as all of us who've been to college know, that first year is so, so critical to building the foundation of the rest of your studies. And so I worry that if she's going to be put into a situation where it's all going to be virtual, or even if it's not completely virtual and she is able to be on campus, that it's going to be done and adjusted in such a way that she's not going to have the opportunity to fully experience all those aspects of that college educational and social experience at the beginning, how will that impact her? And so you can see, (laughs) I've been doing a lot of thinking and then more thinking, and then more thinking. And I get lost in those thoughts. And I know for me, not having the typical, what I call idle time distractions to get me out of my head. So what I mean by that is, you know, coming home after a hard day of work in which your mind is just, you know, churning with whatever it was that you were dealing with. The ability to just have my cup of tea after dinner and just sit in front of the tv turn it on and turn it on to whatever it didn't matter what sports was on there just something that i could just relax and release and get out of my head that's not there even social interactions yes thankfully i'm not alone there's five of us here between my wife the kids six if you count the cat. So, it's not that I am not interacting with people, but even those interactions are just different. I mean, when you're in the same physical space with your family members all day, all of us, um, it's just the way that you interact, even after everybody is done with their work, is just different. And so, that distraction also isn't there. And so what I'm left with is I'm left with thinking. Now, one of the more interesting commentaries that I've heard since this pandemic was an interview that the Harvard Business Review did with a man by the name of David Kessler. And David Kessler is a uh, renowned expert on grief and the stages of grief. And this interview was talking and asking David Kessler's opinion about the pandemic. And what was really interesting is that he said that what many of us are feeling and will feel throughout this pandemic will mirror the stages of grief that we're grieving. And we are all going through these stages of grief, and what are those stages? The stages are anger, denial, depression. There's the bargaining stage, and then there's acceptance. And he's very quick to point out that while they are stages, they are not to be looked at as linear. So it's not that you go through a sequence of starting with denial, then you move to anger, then you move to depression, then you move to bargaining, then you go to acceptance. That at any given time, we can oscillate between these different states or these different stages. And so one of the aspects of that grief is what he described, what he called anticipatory Grief. And he called anticipatory grief as a time when the mind goes to the future and only imagines the worst. So that's, I think, what I'm in right now feeling a lot of anticipatory grief and anxiety. And It's making my mind spin. The Quran talks about this tendency that we have as human beings to be talking to ourselves in our minds. It says... ولقد خلقنا الإنسان ونعلم به The divine speaks and says that we have created humans, mankind, and we know what they what he whispers in his in his own self. Waswasa. the word waswasa, which means whisper, and even. When you hear the Arabic, was-wasa was-wasa was-wasa, waswasa, 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 Like that's what's going on in your mind when you are just talking to yourself, repeatedly talking to yourself. It is this notion of waswasa. And so the remedy for waswasa, the Spiritual guides would say, Is this thing called ta'amul in Arabic? And ta'amul in Arabic is to be in a state where you are examining and observing your inner life in silent seclusion. And the point of it is to reveal the realities of our mental and emotional states. Ta'amul. What we call this today would be mindfulness, right? It is to be mindful. When we talk about mindfulness, mindfulness is about taking an observer's view to your thoughts. It is to take a step back and not prevent your thoughts, but to observe your thoughts when they happen. And then, most importantly, the mindful practice is ultimately not just to observe, but then to also be able to let them go. And the spiritual masters in the Islamic tradition laid out a rubric or a way for us to understand or to think about how we think and what our thoughts are. And that's why this is about thinking about thinking. And so they laid out these stages of a thought. The first, stage or the first type of thought that we have is what they called a hadith a hadith which linguistically a hadith is just like an event that just occurs it like just comes and it just happens hadith when something happens it's حد, حد, it's, it's a hadith. An accident is a hadith. it's something that is unexpected, you weren't looking for it, but then all of a sudden it's just there in front of you. So in the context of thinking, a hadith would be an involuntary thought. So this is like the seed of the thought, like when it pops into your head. It's the very, very early, early stages of the thought. That is the hadith. The next level is khater, And the khater is the thought that we give attention to and we start to consider. So you can have a random thought and it can dissipate or what you can do is you give it attention. So you can see now, it's like it's starting to take root, is the khatir, after the hadith. And what can happen then is the khatir can evolve to the next stage, which is called hadith and nafs And this is the inner dialogue. It's when now you've taken an involuntary thought you've given it attention and you start to consider it and now what you do is you start giving it life by starting a dialogue around it and then and that dialogue is a back and forth and back and forth and a back and a forth and it just grows and grows and it can grow. And those who are familiar with mindful practices will understand that the most dangerous of thoughts as it relates to what gives us our stress and our anxiety and drives our emotions are those thoughts that become hadith and nafs. And that, and the mindful practice is to remove yourself from that inner dialogue, to see it as a thought, and then to just allow it to dissipate and to go away. Now, all of that... Is easier said than done for sure for me. And so I want to end with some practical um, steps that I can take, and I wanted to share it with you. Uh, you know, I'm laughing. This is in many ways, this episode I almost feel is like a confessional for me Um, i just felt like i had to let this out Um, but i'll go back to david kessler and when he talked about anticipatory grief and so he had two suggestions suggestion number one was when you feel like the worst image is beginning to take shape in your mind then make yourself think of the best image just force yourself to make yourself think of the opposite that no it's not actually the worst outcome but just assume that it's going to be the best outcome and start picturing what that looks like That best outcome means that my son is going to go back uh, to work soon, that he's going to continue to grow and flourish. My daughter, likewise. Those are the best images. And force yourself, I think. And that's really the the key word, is to force, according to David Kessler. And the second piece of advice that he gives is he says, because anticipatory grief is about the future and imagining the worst in the future, then to calm yourself, then come back into the present. Just come back into the present moment. So, it's tough. Um, But, I know for myself, step one is knowing that I have the problem. Thinking about my thinking, I believe, is actually a step in the right direction towards my own healing. And so I'll end with Rumi. Rumi in... His famous discourse, Fihi Mafihi, says, "Your mind is at ease. How is that? Because the mind is a precious thing. It is like a net, and a net must be in good repair to catch prey. When your mind is disturbed, then the net tears, and it is useless. And so I just love that image of thinking of our minds as a net. And it even, it's a great image because a lot of times we can mess up our minds by throwing things onto that net that only cause more confusion or more disturbance to it, whether it's the words of others, or whether it's reading too much of the news, all of those things can just contribute to damaging that net that is our minds. And Rumi said somewhere else, remember, the entrance door to the sanctuary is inside you. And so... Making and cleaning and purifying that sanctuary is about keeping it pure and our minds pure. Thank you for listening to my confession, and I hope for myself and for you who are listening, that we and I can find the moments where I can let go of all of this anticipatory fear and these ideas that consume me. And may these heavy thoughts be replaced with light thoughts. And that we all find peace in these days. May God's peace be on you all.